Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Nashville Life. It's, if it's your first time here. I'm Alvin. I serve as lead pastor. If you've come before, welcome back. I'm glad to see you all. It's always an honor to be able to speak with you all and to stand in this position. I don't take it lightly. What's up, everybody up there? Good to see you. Um, welcome to everybody online, too, watching. Hope you enjoy yourself. Uh, we had a great, great Sunday last week. We had the great John Bevere speak two services here at church, and uh, I'm still just digesting and processing just all that he was able to impart to our church. There was a lot of conviction that, that came and then a lot of uh, excitement about the future, uh, my relationship with Jesus. I'm just excited to love him more and to serve him more wholeheartedly as the years go by, and uh, I really praise God for, for John and what he, what he brought to the church. Um, like they said, we are two-thirds way through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, the theme is great faith. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. We've been showing up at 6 o'clock every weekday in the morning, and then uh, we've been doing 9 o'clock on Saturdays, and then we're fasting on Wednesdays. We do a water fast uh, all the way pretty much to 6 p.m., um, if you want to go longer, you're welcome to do that. But I really invite everybody, even if you haven't been doing the past two weeks, uh, try joining us this past week and see what the Lord can do even in that week. I, I, I'm totally convinced that when we step up our, our diligence and our, our discipline towards God, um, not only do we grow closer to him, but everything in our lives, I think, just becomes refreshed and blessed, and I think we become a lot more impactful in our lives and in our purpose. So I strongly encourage everybody to, to come when you can, um, and uh, every day has a scripture attached to it, and we are believing God to have faith for different things in our lives. So every day there's a specific target that we're praying for and we're praying about, um, and we're doing it because... We believe that God has a great plan for your life. We believe that God has great things in store for you as individuals, for your families, but also as a church. And uh, the point of the 21 days is to really strengthen that, that vertical relationship between us and God the Father. And how many of us know that when this gets strengthened, the horizontal relationships, the relationships with other people strengthen as well. And I'm praying that for all of you guys. I really am. Uh, I'm going to get into the word. Uh, we have a great, a great topic today, and uh, before we get into it, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat these words. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it, and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, we want the word of God to produce change in our lives. I believe that's, I mean, I don't know about you, that's the reason why I come here. I, I, I come to church and I come to God's presence because I believe that when you encounter his word, change happens. And it's positive change. It might not always feel positive, but the fruit is so positive, not only for you, but for your family. And I just want that for us. Um, our theme for the whole year, in case you're new, is withstanding the wind. And this whole year is dedicated to training our church to be able to withstand greater opposition and greater resistance and greater temptation than we've been able to withstand in the past. I believe the Lord wants us to get more and more strong. I believe he wants us to get more and more mature. And Jesus being the, 
the trainer that he is, the shepherd that he is, allows us to experience uh, difficulties, not because he's mad at us, but he wants to develop us. And some things you just don't develop outside of the fire. There's certain things that just cannot be produced and refined in your life unless you experience opposition, which is why the Lord allows it. Uh, again, it's not out of ill will, it's not out of malice, but it's for our development, for who he's called us to be, and that is his church. That is his church that is alive, his church that is active, his church that is on fire, his church that is humble, his church that is waiting for his return, and his church that loves, loves people. And I believe that's what's developing here. I believe that's what's happening. And for the 21 days, we're focusing on great faith. I believe it takes great faith to withstand the opposition of our day, things that are happening globally, nationally, things that are happening in our church, things that are happening in your personal lives. I think it takes faith. If we're going to withstand this season, withstand this thing, we're going to need great faith, which is why we're talking about it. And today, specifically, we are talking about great faith for the church, for the church. And the reason why it's important for us to have great faith for the church because I personally believe when I read scripture that the church is the most important institution on earth. I believe the church is the most powerful group of people on earth. I believe that the church has the holiest, purest cause of all the earth. I believe that the church carries God's presence on earth. The church is the body of Christ. The church are the, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the prophetic voice of God. The church is the prophetic voice of God on earth. I believe the church is the assembly of God. The church is the government that administers God's will on earth. The church is the light of the world. The church is the salt of the earth. The church is God's royalty here on earth. The church is God's priesthood here on earth. The church is the servant of the world. We are servants. We are called to serve. And that's, I mean, even the service is called 1115 service. This is a service to the community, a service to the Lord, a service to our brothers and sisters. The church is the ambassador for Christ on earth. The church is the city on a hill that can't be hidden. The church is the house of prayer. The church is the bride of Christ. And I believe the church is the only people that God is coming back. When Jesus returns, he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for one church. And he's only coming back for that church. So I believe it's wise for human beings to spend our time on earth making sure that we are in alignment with, with the body of Christ with his bride, because that's what he's coming back for. He made it very clear so that no one's surprised. He says, I'm coming back for a pure, for a spotless, for a, for a bride without, without wrinkle. He's coming back for someone very specific, and that is his church. So as a fellow human being, I am trying to make sure that my life is in alignment with what Jesus is coming back for. Because when he comes back, I want, I want to be in that number, and I, and I trust that you guys do as well. So we're going to uh, focus on Psalm 84 today. Uh, each, like I said, each 21 days of, of our prayer has a scripture for it. 
And I think you should also know that um, we are really partnering up with hundreds of other churches that are fasting around the country during the same time, these same 21 days, the same prayer targets, the same theme. So we're not the only ones doing this, but I love this about God because as widespread as God is, he still can be so specific to us as a church body and even individuals. I've had people who are in our church being like, man, how are all these targets exactly what I need to hear? Like, how is it so specific to me? And that's just the beauty of God. He's, he's the God of all of us, but he's also your personal one as well. And it's, it's just, I never get tired of that. So Psalm 84, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 2, and then we'll go through the whole thing. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So the writer of Psalm is saying, first of all, that God has a dwelling place. The Lord has a dwelling place. And according to Psalm 84, it's lovely. And it's so lovely that that the writer says his soul longs for the courts of the Lord. So we see that the Lord has a dwelling place. He has courts. And I was, like, trying to refresh my memory on what, what, what court means. Like, how do you define court? So I went to Webster, and this is what I found about court. A court is the residence or the establishment of a sovereign or similar dignitary. A sovereign's formal assembly of counselors and officers. Uh, the sovereign and officers and advisors who are the governing power. And then the last one said the family and retinue of a sovereign. So the courts of the Lord is where the Lord dwells, the king, the sovereign. It's also where his government dwells, his officers, and it's where his family dwells. So when he talks about the courts of the Lord, he's talking about God. He's talking about God's people, his family, his government, his officers, his people. And the writer of Psalm is saying, I long to be in these courts. Uh, Verse 3 through 4, it says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for himself where she may Lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. So everybody is blessed who dwells in the house of the Lord, so much that even the birds want to be in the house of the Lord, according to this psalm. Even even the, the, the sparrows try to find a place near the altar, because anything that dwells in the house of the Lord is blessed. Even the Old Testament, even the bowls and the cups were anointed with oil. Like, everything in the house of God that dwells there is blessed. And the psalmist is saying, that's where I long to be. Verse 5 through 7 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And I just love that imagery of someone going strength to strength. Because sometimes I've, I, I'm, I've experienced going from weakness to strength. 
I've experienced going strength to weakness at times, but the idea that those that dwell in the house of the Lord just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger, which is what I believe this year is all about. It's about building strength for the church to be able to withstand all types of stuff. So we're getting stronger and stronger, and apparently this is the destiny of those who dwell in the house of the Lord. Let's go to verse 8. Verse 8 through 10, it says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear. O God of Jacob, Selah, behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist is saying one day in the courts of the Lord, where the Lord is, where his people are, one day is better than a thousand anywhere else. That's love. <laughs> like one day is better than a thousand anywhere else. And there's some great places. But apparently one day in the courts of the Lord surpasses a thousand anywhere else. And then he says he'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than in the tents of where wickedness is. I know some of us might find that a bit, you know, irrational, maybe a bit fanatical, maybe a bit extreme, uh, a bit dramatic. But the thing this next verse brings uh, some logic to why he sees things the way he sees it. It says, verse 11, for the Lord God is the sun and shield. I love that. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So it's not so much that he's just obsessed with being a door holder. It's not the door holder that's really the thing. It's being a door holder to the house where God dwells. That's what makes it special. It's not so much holding a door, but holding a door, being able to be in that kind of proximity to the house where the creator of the universe dwells. And not only the creator of the universe, but apparently the one who bestows favor and honor for those who dwell in the house. That's why he goes, this is better than anything, to be a door holder in the house of the one who bestows favor and honor on my life and the one who will withhold not a single good thing from me. That's what justifies or supports his, his decision or his uh, perspective that he'd rather be a doorkeeper. Now, I'm all for us doing what we want to do, what we like to do. Even our church, the way it's built, Next Steps, we have that today after this service. This step three is literally about like t talking about different ways to serve in the house of God and things that fit your personality and things that seem like it might be more appealing or enjoyable for you. I'm all for that. But I think it's very profound at the idea that, man, I'd rather, if it's the house of the Lord, doing anything in there would be an honor. I just think that's, that's very profound and it really does uh, convict and inspire me um, that, that we're a part of something pr pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but what is the house of God? I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself because, you know, this was written in Psalm, in the Old Testament. So, so what is the house of God now? Um, where is the house of God? I, uh, 
I'm going to kind of give a brief, like, gospel recap or history lesson for those of you who might need a refresher. Um, because of sin, the enemy, Satan, the devil, was, was master over humanity. The Bible says that we were slaves because of sin. And the enemy, the devil, the adversary, was the authority over the human life. And in order for that to change, uh, that king, that prince of the air, had to be overthrown. And that overthrowing happened when God sent his son, Jesus, to, to be born of the flesh, to be born as a human being. And, and that, that baby came with, with a government on his shoulder. He came with the promised kingdom that he was about to come. There was, there's this new king being born because, because the old king is about to be overthrown. The, the, the authority and the, the power of sin and death was about to be overthrown by this new king. And it's in this form of this little baby. And this baby grew up. And this baby became an adult, and when he, when he hit his 30s, he started this ministry where he started to preach that, that the kingdom of God had come, a new kingdom, a kingdom was being established that was, that was about to change everything, everything, even parts that they liked. He said, I'm changing everything. In fact, he said, you know, the temple that you guys currently call the house of God is about to be torn down and rebuilt altogether, like everything is starting over again, and he did miracles and he forgave sins, and he showed love, and he, 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 was, he was amazing. And as many people that were admired and or that were admiring and were inspired by him, there were some other people that, that were really turned off by him. And despite his goodness and despite his holiness, they, they saw him as, as someone that was inspired and filled with the devil. They said that he was a blasphemer. They thought that he was prideful. They thought all of these things, and, and, and his, one of his good friends sold him out and got him to be arrested, and he was arrested and, and put in captivity. Uh, this is Jesus, and he was whipped, and he was mocked and scorned, and he was sentenced to death by crucifixion, and, and, and these people were yelling, crucify him, because they just didn't like what he was shaken up and what he was bringing and the, this authority that he was coming with, it, it really turned them off so much that they wanted him dead. And they started saying, crucify him. And, and he got on the cross and he had a crown of thorns on his head and it was, it was real bloody and really violent. And they, 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 they nailed his hands and feet into the cross and they watched him die. And they watched him die in a very mocking way because you know how this new king was coming. So they wrote this sign that said king of the Jews, but, but it wasn't in an honoring way. It was in a sarcastic, mocking way. And, 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 he, and, he, and he died. And his blood was shed, which scripture says was the atonement for all those sins, including the sins that said crucify him. Like even the ones that were telling him to die, his blood was shedding for their sins. They didn't even realize it. And then three days after his death, he rose from the grave. And it was a very victorious day. But it was also a very significant day in the spirit and for us as human beings because a new king was established. The Bible says that Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth has now been given to him. And he can now be the first person, first man since Adam that actually stands over 
the enemy. The person that was our master is now subjected to Jesus. And as great as that is, Jesus didn't stop there. He says, I'm going to open a door and make it to where other human beings can follow me and stand in the same position. They can be seated in heavenly places and have authority over the very one they used to call master will now be their, uh, be subjected under their feet. And this people, he established, he said, I'm going to build something new. And he called it his church. And he said, this church is going to have authority, the same authority that I have. I'm going to share that authority with the church. And the Bible says that he says, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against this church. And this church is going to be my, my ecclesia. That, that, that's, that's my government. I'm going to be able to release my decrees and my laws and my ways through this, this group of people, this spiritual group of people that are going to be born again in me, and I'm going to build it, and I'm going to be the head of it, but I'm going to build it, and it's going to be amazing. They're going to be the light. They're going to be the salt. They're going to be the truth. They're going to be everything that I am, and I'm going to be able to live fully through this house, through this group, and he called it his church. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19 through 22 says, now, because of all that, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. This is to people who've been born again. This is to people who've chosen Jesus, who are entering the door um, of salvation through Jesus and stepping into this newfound authority that we have as his church. He says, now therefore you're no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There's a household of God that believers belong to. It says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, so you see he's really working this metaphor of these people being a building. He's not talking about actual brick and mortar. He's saying that people are going to be this, this building where God dwells. Being fitted together, the scripture says, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So you see him describing people as, as a household. He describes him as us as a building as a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together. There goes this metaphor again that keeps on using these, these physical building analogies and words to describe people. Being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What I believe the Word is telling is that the house of God is the gathering of His people. People who are born again, people who have, who have died to themselves and repented to, of their past, and they're born again. They've had a spiritual birth, and now they, they are these, these pieces to this building where God dwells, and God, and he doesn't just sit there. He moves through this building. He, he shines through this building. He, he speaks through this building. He heals through this building. He does who he, he is who he is through this building, through this household, through this temple of people who are no longer foreigners and strangers, but, but sons and daughters and ambassadors to God. This is a spiritual identity that I think all of us need to, 
either wake up to for the first time or reawake to if you maybe slept on this. But what, what's happening here, this is a spiritual situation. I know it might just look like a bunch of people in a room, but this is more. This is a, this is a household where God dwells. Second, second, second Corinthians, not Chronicles. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 17. 16 through 17, it says, from now on, Paul says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This passage is Paul saying, don't make the same mistake that we did. He said, we watched Jesus for three years, for years, and we saw him as Mary and Joseph's kid. We saw him as this guy that was, you know, pretty effective speaker. He could do some cool uh, tricks. Verdict is still out if it came from the devil, if it came from God, we're not really sure. But, but that was about it. That's how they saw him. They saw him according to the flesh. They saw him as a 33-year-old man, 32-year-old man, young man, going through and, and talking to people and cool. But they missed out that they were looking at the Christ. They were looking at God in the flesh. So Paul is saying, don't make the same mistake we did. Don't, this, don't do what we did, how we looked at Christ and we couldn't see him in the spirit, but we just saw him as a man. Don't do that with each other. We're more than just mere flesh and blood in here. This is not just a gathering of, of people sitting listening to some guy in a green shirt. Like there's a, this is a spiritual house and all of us are spiritual people and it's important for us to not regard each other by fleshly means anymore. It's, it's, it's seeing each other through who God says we are in the spirit, which is way more than what we are just in our flesh. So Paul says, stop doing that. Stop regarding each other as just mere fleshly beings, but see each other as fellow ministers and fellow priests in the house of God. Treat each other with, with honor and respect and with reverence and, and with, with love and, and, and value. You treat people differently when you see who they are in the spirit. And if you just see them as a, I mean, guys, this is actually a big deal. Remember how when Jesus says, you fed me and clothed me? And they're like, we didn't do that. He's like, well, yeah, you did it to that guy. He's like, well, I just thought he was a guy. He goes, no, that was me. He says, you rejected me. I never rejected you, God. I love you. You rejected that person. But that was just, I thought that was just a girl. No, nah, that was me. This is a real thing. This is a real urgent thing that according to Scripture can actually, like, forfeit our place. And where we end up, we must stop regarding people as mere flesh and blood and start to see them from a spiritual place through the eyes of faith. And I promise you, it'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way you see this church. It'll change the way you see everybody. We will see this as this is God's dwelling place, not just a bunch of people making noises and listening to old, an old book, you know. And you, you have to have faith to see it. Without faith... You can't see this as more than just a nice inspirational time, a time of just good vibes and, like, you know, wise words and maybe a joke here and there. 
and maybe some good singing. Like, without faith, that's all this will ever be to you. Without faith, this will be just a, a nice thing to do, a proper, good American thing to do on a Sunday morning. Without faith, that's all this can be. You will only see it as more through the eyes of faith and stop regarding this as a fleshly situation because it's not. It's a spiritual house. This is not a social house. Are there social aspects to it? Of course. And that's fine. But this is not a social house. It's a spiritual house. This is not a, the church is not a political party, believe it or not. Some of you guys might really think it is. It's a spiritual house. Are there politics? Do we have leanings? Absolutely. We're in a, we're in a nation with politics. But this is not a political house. This is a spiritual house. This is not a cultural house. Do we have culture? Yes. Are there various cultures in here? Great. But this is, that's not why we're here. <laughs> this is not a place to just feel, you know, culturally in. This is a, this is a spiritual house. And that's one of my prayers for these 21 days. I said, Lord, make us, make us a spiritual house. We, we need to be more spiritual. I believe there's just been a lot of carnality that has seeped into the way that we think and the way that we live and it's really affected the way we regard each other and the way we regard the house of God. And I think there's some repentance that, that needs to happen. For, for, and that's, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You yourselves, like living stones, we're living pieces. Like he really is connecting us. You would build a place with stones and bricks. He basically goes, you, each person here is a living, breathing brick. And he wants you to see yourself as that. Because when the bricks come together, we go, oh, you get a house. You know, we've got just like these single bricks sitting around being like, I'm the house of God. It's like, bro, you're a brick. Like, you're not at the house of God until you, we get some stacks going on. Let somebody get stacked on top of you. Get stacked on somebody else. Let somebody get, then boom, then it starts getting some form. And you start seeing, oh, man, this is a house. Some of us are like just giving God a rock, being like, we're your house, Lord. He goes, no, I need more if I want to live in here. The Bible says that our bodies are a temple of the Spirit. I get it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But please, please don't make the error of using that scripture as a way to justify being isolated and being a lone ranger in Christ. Please don't be deceived. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But there is a fitting together and a building together that the Lord is doing that you don't want to be resistant to his hand. You don't want to go against his floor plan for his house. I mean, this is his house, guys. We're just grateful enough to live in it, right? We're being built up layer by layer, piece by piece. Brick by brick, stone by stone, we're being built together spiritually. And the Lord has builders. He has equippers. 
that help make the building happen. Just different pieces that help assure that we're being built up well. And I, I wanted to cover this because it shows how detailed God is. Like, he really is trying to build us up to be this priesthood. He, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That's actually the whole group. Not just like people who are on stage. Like the Lord, just so you guys know, some of you guys might have not heard this in a while. And like we've gotten more modern with the way that we talk, you know, and I get it. But like we have to make sure that we don't forget. We don't want to be so relatable that we're no longer set apart and special, right? The Bible calls born-again believers saints. And I know that's not a cool word to use in our modern day, but that's what we are. So I want to make sure, I'm not saying that we have to, like, be traditional in the way we talk, but we have to be biblical in the way that we see ourselves. So I don't think that you have to call each other saints, but you are a saint if you're born again. If you are a believer, you are a priest. And I get it, we don't, we, God's people have always had, ever since Israel, we just, God's people have always resisted being set apart. We kind of almost like that, that high schooler in us still just is like, can't I fit in a little bit? Like, and I get it, like, you know, I don't want to be weird and we're not weird. Like, I get it. But guys, Scripture does say that we're peculiar. So, so I'm not justifying weirdness and socially, like, not right and cool like still be be cool but like be a but yo like this we we're saints we're priests we're we're ministers and I just don't want you to resist what God is saying like I've just seen too much Bible I don't want to be on the opposite side of what God is saying if God says you're a priest, I'm praying that we have enough humility to go, I mean, that sounds crazy, but I, if you say so, like Mary, like, this sounds crazy, but that's your will, I will conceive a son. Okay, like, I don't understand where you're getting this, but I accept it at your word. If you say I'm a saint, if you say I'm a priest, if you say I'm a minister in your house, okay, let's do it. And, and just watch God make you who you are. Like, he's calling you who you are. He's calling you to the very thing that he's created you to be. And the beautiful thing about the, the equippers, they're here to help build you up in that identity. Apostles, prophets, man, I've got, I've got the overseers, and all of them have planted dozens of churches they pastor pastors, essentially. It's like Paul and Timothy's. Timothy was a pastor. Paul established the church. So Paul was writing letters to Timothy as an apostle saying, Timothy, this is how you pastor. This is what you do. This is what you look out for. This is what you got to work on. Stop doing this. Make sure you do this. That's beautiful. Apostles who are there to, 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 to bless and equip pastors for the work of the ministry. We've got prophets both outside of our church. People have been given prophetic words. The prophecies are, they're, they're, they're invitations to what God has for you if you stay with him. Yeah. Prophecies are not guarantees. 
They are invitations. The Lord gives you a glimpse of who you are and what he has for you if you stay with him. If you stick around, it's not fortune telling. It's, it's, it's the invitation of what his word is for your life. And then like Deuteronomy, he gives you a choice to either accept it or reject it. We have that happening, both in our church and out. We've had people give, give great words, and we test it, of course, but it's like, yo, this is, God is, God is, in, he, he, he keeps, he's keeping the breadcrumbs. Like, he, he's giving us nuggets to keep us going in the direction that he has us on. Evangelists, we had a great evangelist last week. John Bevere comes and brings lights of fire, causes a mess, and says, see you later. I love it. Pastors, we got to stick around and roll our sleeves up. But guests, man, I can't wait till I guest speak. I'm like, drop a bomb and be like, peace. <laughs> he dropped a bomb. He brought conviction. He told us a lot of us are going to hell if we don't repent. Evangelists. We got evangelists in here. Great people sharing the gospel. Telling people, pointing people to Jesus. Some of you guys are here because you were invited by someone. That's evangelism. Come, hear the word. Come, hear the gospel. Come find, come meet the man that told me everything that I know. Everything about myself. Tell me, meet, meet, meet Jesus. That's the evangelical call that's on us. We, we're evangelists. We go and share the word and we go and point people to Jesus. That's actually reserved. That's, that's for us. Pastors got pastors. 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, which means to correct. Rebuke, which means to correct, call out. To exhort, which means to spur on. Show them the way to go. Tell them what to do. This is how you do it. This is how you go. This is what you've been called to be. You can do this. You got this. With complete patience and teaching. It requires patience. And you need complete patience, not half patience. Complete patience. That's the role. That's what, that's, what, that's what he gave to Timothy to do as a pastor. We've got teaching, great teachers. We've always, I've always been amazed, ever since day one of Nashville Life, he's always allowed us to have a great, uh, a great teacher's kind of grace on our lives. Great teachers of the word. We, every time we did our life class or encounter or now we do Freedom Weekend, and each session is a different member of the church. And I'm always blown away with just the gifts that are here. We really are members. I mean, we really are ministers. Not just consumers, guys. We have to be careful. Remember, the word says don't be conformed by the, by the ways of the world. We live in a very consumerism culture. But we can't, we can't assume that for church. We, we, we're, we're here to be ministers. This is supposed to be an equipping for you as a minister, as a minister of the gospel, as a carrier of the presence of God, as a priest for this day and age. It's not just to hear something good and say I was a good Christian this week because I went to church. This is, this is supposed to be a, a building up of ministers. This, is, this should just only be an equipping for you as a minister, as a priest, in this, in this household for God to dwell in. 
This is what keeps God's house built up. It's what keeps it getting bigger and greater and stronger and sturdier and a, a, a proper vessel for God's spirit to do all the things that he can do, all the things that he wants to do for this world that's in desperate need of him. So I'm going to ask us to do, I kind, of two, I kind of have two appeals before we close. And the first appeal is both involve repentance. One is, you know, you, you are a believer. You carry the presence of God. You, you've repented of your sins, and you've been born again, and Jesus is Lord. You have his spirit. But you started regarding the body of Christ according to the flesh. And you found yourself maybe making that error that is in the scripture where we kind of thought that person was just a person. But the Lord goes, no, that, that's me. That's my spirit. I, that's a vessel that I'm living in. I'm, I'm watching to see how well you guys honor each other and value each other because that's, that's, it's me. It's my house. That's, that's my, this is my body. Like he takes, so just so you guys know, some of you guys, we can be a little too loose-tongued about like the church and the body of Christ. Guys, there needs to be a little bit more of a um, caution because it's, it's the body of Jesus. It's the bride of Jesus. So while we always want to work on it and get better at it, Jesus takes it personally when we regard his bride as a mere just trash, like as a, something that's a throwaway. Um, just that's, I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. Um, re, repent for, for, for not seeing through the eyes of the Spirit what, what is happening here. What is the gathering of believers? How sacred it is. How precious it is. How powerful it is. How needed it is. So if that's you, you know who you are. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you. And the Lord wants to really refresh the way that you see the body of Christ, the house of God. I believe the Lord can actually give us the heart of the writer of Psalm 84, where it's, wow, this is so lovely. Wow. My, my soul longs to be at the courts of the Lord. Oh, man. I, even to hold a door in the house of God. Oh, better is one day in the courts of God's people with the saints than a thousand anywhere else. Like, I want that to be my heart's cry. And I believe it's possible if we just remove the f flesh lens from our eyes and start to see things the way Jesus wants us to see it. And then lastly, the other appeal is for those of you who don't believe or are not confident that you are spiritually in alignment with the body of Christ. Um, someone might have just deceived you and thought, told you that, you know, the body of Christ and the church wasn't important and you, 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 you believe in God maybe, 
but you don't really know if you are one with with his bride, with the Christ. I mean, with with the with the with the church, the body of Christ. And I want to remind you all that he's only coming back for one bride. And if you're not sure you're in that number, I want to tell you that today can be your day to get to be confirmed as someone who is a member of the body of Christ. I am a part of the household of God. And remember, the court is where the Lord is, it's where his officers are, and it's where his family is. If you don't think you're any of those three, this is for you. You, you are a family, you are called to be a family member of God in his house. You are called to be an officer, a, a, an ambassador, a soldier in his courts, in his house. And if that's a disconnect to you, then no condemnation. I just believe the Lord led you here so that that change can happen today. And have you ever wondered how God is coming back for one church, but there's so many churches all around the world? Remember, it's a spiritual house. So he's coming back for a spiritual house, which means it's not limited to, like, us and people in the Czech Republic and people in Mexico and people in Canada and people in Australia, like, there's a group of people all around the world who are spiritually connected as the body of Christ, as the household of God. And that's who he's coming back for. And I want you all to know that you're invited to be a part of that. I would love for you to have a place with your name on it in the courts of God, in the household of God, in the family of God. So I'm going to ask us all to stand. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you. I acknowledge your presence. I acknowledge your spirit. God, I thank you that today you are building our faith for your church, God. Our faith for your household. Our faith for your building, your dwelling place, your courts, God, your church. Lord, there's so much in the word that tells us how you see us and who you've called us to be as the church. The significance, the, the importance, the, the value, the power, the potential, the assignment, the responsibility, the honor, the favor, the friendship. You've invited us to so much, Lord. And as pastor of this church, God, I just want Nashville Life to be a church that's alive to what you're saying about us. Lord, let us be a church that sees the spiritual significance of the house of God. Lord, forgive us forever regarding this to something less than supernatural, something less than spiritual. Lord, if, we, if we've thought it as anything regarding the flesh, whether it's race or, I don't know, style or social standings or political affiliation or just anything of this world, God, we repent. Wake us up to who you've called us to be in the spirit. Lord, we are ministers. We are priests. 
we are being fit together for the world to see the heart, the body, the life, the ministry, the love of Jesus. Lord, continue to build us together. Lord, you are the potter, we are the clay. Lord, we repent for telling you what we are instead of letting you tell us what we are. Lord, we repent for telling you where we fit in opposed to letting you tell us where we fit in. Lord, we repent from our own understandings. God, and we lean and trust in you. Mold us and shape us. Carve us and do whatever it takes for us to be able to find our place and fit where you've called us to fit in your body, in your house. Lord, we repent for disregarding each other as mere people. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you forgive us for missing out on seeing someone as you. Disregarding someone when it was really you. Lord, we repent. Give us eyes to see. Open the eyes of our heart. Give us ears to hear. Wake us up spiritually, God. Lord, we know that you love us. We know that you have plans for us. We thank you for your patience, your great patience. But God, we want to get things in line today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Today I want to invite anyone here to be born again, to die to who you were, to repent of your old ways, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to rebirth you into a spiritual person who's alive in Christ and who has a spot in the building that the Lord is building with your name on it. And he, it's almost like there's this hole in, with all these stones and there's this little part that he goes, ah, when you're born again, I'm going to put you right there. And you're going to be a part of this amazing, growing, spiritual building, this dwelling place, this beautiful masterpiece that Jesus is shaping together. And he's got a spot with your name on it. So if you would like to be in the body of Christ, if you would like to to follow Jesus, to be born again, to be in the bride that he's coming back for, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Father, everyone can say it too. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, one of the great things about corporately coming together like this and something that you can't get 
except when we come together. You can't get this by yourself. You can get some cool stuff by yourself, but you can't get this. And that is the unified sound of thanksgiving and praise to God. So if you, let's offer up a sound to God that shows him that we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. God is good. He's alive and well. And his church is growing. His people are being refined. And his bride is getting that much more spotless, that much more without a wrinkle. And he's preparing it. So Holy Spirit, continue to prepare us to be that sanctuary for you, pure and holy, tried and true. Lord, we are here for you, God. If you said yes to the Lord, you are ready to take the next step with him, to, to, to become a minister and serve in his body and serve in his house, represent him. Let us know. We want to support you. It takes encouragement. It takes uh, love. It takes patience. It takes help. And we want to help you. That's, that's pretty much what we're here for. We are servants. We want to support you. Um, you can let us know by texting BELONG, B-E-L-O-N-G, to 77411. And you can let us know you said yes to Jesus. We can get you connected. We can give you some resources that can support you in your faith. Uh, we can be involved as little or as much as you want. We're here for you. Uh, we have people that are going to be here to pray at the end. Please don't hesitate. Don't be shy. We're here to pray for you. We want to serve you. And uh, it's our pleasure. It's our honor. If you want to give, tithes, offering, thank you in advance. You can give online. You can also give in the back. Our finance team is there. We got next steps pretty much right after I dismiss. So if you want to find out how to fit in and where you want to serve and be involved and uh, bless the house of God with your efforts and with your, with your talents, uh, come upstairs on third floor and we'll talk. And uh, that's about it. I love you. I pray God's blessings over you. Uh, actually, I will pray God's blessings over you. Uh, Father, we, 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 we thank you. I pray a blessing over everybody who's here. I pray a blessing over their families or all their endeavors. God, I pray that you will protect them with your blood. God, I pray, Lord, that you would make them alive in your spirit. God, I pray that we would love you greater and love you more and love each other more, too. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of the day. Love you.